This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. It's a good fall morning. It's actually the Greg Tucker Show. I don't know why they sing that, put, play that song. Mondays is your show. I'm just here. Uh, actually, I got to see you uh, Saturday. You were heading up John Bragg Highway and, and uh, having a big time. And I'd already been to Mac Mimble on my way back. I, did you just get up at that hour? Sneaking off to meet in uh, outlying counties. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> How are things going? Things are going good. And we got together because you had some copies of the uh, peace officers. Yeah. Uh, uh, about uh, God uh, creating the peace officers. Yeah. And I, I love that one. <clears throat> we have some family that are in or have been in the peace officer business. Yeah. So my wife wanted to send them a copy of it. Yeah. I can't even remember. Oh, we were on our way to the thrift store uh, that we have favored for a number of years up in Woodbury. Uh, although it seems to be under new management, not quite as interesting as it used to be. And uh, you were on your way back from McMinnville, which you must have some uh, business interest up in McMinnville. My son Barry had some business up there, uh, having a little trouble with his truck. Oh, so you had to go along to bring him home. Well, one of the officers that used to work with us at the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department, he's got a, a auto place up there now. Uh, and and he is really, really uh, blessed to have a almost a genius mind creating things and and making things better well, so they, they have a good relationship that, that always yeah, yeah a personal connection with an auto mechanic yeah. is, is i was shocked helpful. how easy it is to drive to mcminville now well once you get through woodbury which is a pleasant uh, but the, the slow spot yeah at one time uh, i remember being part of the discussion about building a four lane either to the south or the north of woodbury and there was a division in the community as to which way to go and apparently they made the decision not to do either one yeah so he still takes takes you right through the square now you've driven around in mcmimble right <clears throat> you've in the town of mcmimble i know a little of it but not a lot that that's one of the toughest towns to drive in that i've ever been in well it seems like the roads are not yeah. laid out or turns and things like that. Well, I always swing up north of it. On I guess it used to be a bypass. Now it's kind of the business strip. Yeah. 
and on out that way. Once you get past it, though, boy, you can be in Sparta in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's easy driving. Well, let's see. Yesterday, we visited a new friend uh, and enjoyed a conversation with Tom Adams. Mm -hmm. You remember last week, Tom called. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about the National Guard unit that was based here, the 115th Field Artillery. And he said he had a picture that he thought might be, might have something to do with that group. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't sure because it uh, wasn't real clear on the picture. And uh, so we drive by to see him over in the Halls Hill, out Halls Hill area. And uh, first thing we did, or one of the first things, was to look at this picture. Roll one of those where they use the moving camera in the old days, mm -hmm. and you end up with, uh, oh, this thing is three feet long at least, yeah. about six inches wide, coiled up tight, so we had to almost sit on it to hold it down so we could see it. And the only writing on it was Fort Bragg, 1925. Oh, wow. And uh, when, My I, place. Yeah, when I read that, pointed that out for Tom, he decided that probably it didn't have anything to do with uh, the National Guard unit. And I tended to agree that it looked to me like it was uh, a platoon brigade or whatever you call them at uh, Fort Bragg. Army military. They, they, they did have, uh, when I was in and over at Fort Bragg, they would train. Uh, Absolutely. You're right. Those particular units. Right. Well, and I, that may have been what, what it was. Well, I think that's exactly what it was. And I need to get back to Tom. I hope he's listening this morning. Yeah. Because when I got home and got it under a good bright light and started studying closely, uh, one of the figures in the picture is holding a flag mm -hmm. and the flag is kind of partially furled but studying it closely the flag has 115 XB I'm not sure what the XB except maybe X was the de designation of the brigade Yeah, but it is just what you were describing uh, apparently the 115th field artillery that was based in Murfreesboro yeah. was on uh, maybe summer training Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember was, those when they would come up. Yeah, we would have to. Well, I think that's what was going on. This is 1925. So, if there's anybody listening that uh, remembers uh, anybody who was in the uh, National Guard in 1925, uh, I'd like them to look at the picture and let's see if we can identify anybody. Uh, I think of uh, Mr. Huddleston. Uh, I know he was involved, and he might might be there, because this would be the group of shortly after World War One, which is where the 115th distinguished itself on several occasions, uh, and the 115th, of course, included personnel I think from all over the state of Tennessee, but it was based here. The headquarters were Murfreesboro. Yeah. The leadership was based in Murfreesboro. And, uh, of course, it was part of the larger Tennessee National Guard. Uh, but uh, if the picture is what I now think it is, it's something we ought to preserve if I can figure out how to get the coil, get it uncoiled and mounted somehow. Uh, maybe we can put it in our new museum or, or somewhere in the uh, National Guard facilities. 
Hey, you think about that, that would be great for the new museum. It, it, is, is it already um, uh, set up the way that you want it to be, the new museum, over at the courthouse? It's evolving. Uh, some exhibits I saw being delivered a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I think we're still in the stage of setting exhibits. Uh, the mayor, last time I talked to him, was anticipating a dedication or opening, I believe, uh, just the week before Thanksgiving. And Are I'm you sure having input from groups like uh, the judges back in those days, the attorney generals and, uh, and um, circuit court clerk and things like that? I expect we'll solicit uh, suggestions from everybody. Yeah, needs to talk to Eloise Gaither. Yeah. She and, has a strong memory of that. Yeah, and uh, even, for instance, uh, the late Bubba Woodfin, mm -hmm. some of his collection has already become part. In fact, uh, some of the metal fence that was originally around the courthouse, or at mm -hmm. least soon after the courthouse was, was built back in the 1850s, uh, Bubba had preserved when he figured out what it was and I know that uh, either Bubba before his death or his family since then has given that to the to the county back to mm -hmm. the county and is technically part of the, the museum uh, and uh, if you look at some of the Civil War pictures you can see the old metal fence that surrounded the courthouse originally as the uh uh, 400 West Main Street, where the old jail was. And, of course, it's my understanding they're selling that. I have seen a sign that says it's on the market. That would have been a, a great place for uh, a museum at one time. And uh, uh, it, it's going to be hard to, to completely um, picture how things were in the old days because the courthouse inside doesn't look like anything like it did uh, when when we were having to do all the, the um, uh, where the judges and the DAs and and all the uh, uh, circuit court uh, general session clerks be, were at at one time well and, you, you but bring it, you couldn't really create it that way anymore yeah well, you bring up an interesting point the courthouse has had many many evolutions particularly inside as it yeah. has changed to accommodate the, the growing need for space uh, in the 1990s an effort was made to make the courtroom where our commission meets yeah. uh, at least generically uh, as it might have appeared in the early uh, the antebellum period when it was first built mm -hmm. uh, but the rest of the courthouse of course has been uh, changed many times yeah. so none of us are around who remember what it looked like when it was first built and decorated uh, but relying on uh, research material and old pictures and such an effort was made to try to recover some of that look uh, but the part that's going to be used for the museum has changed many times just in our lifetime yeah. and uh, has been uh, changed again uh, as we try to anticipate patterns, visitor patterns, you know, walking through, seeing things, uh, 
what were separate rooms have now been connected or opened up so that there can be a circulation yeah. through the display areas and such. It's a work in progress and uh, I give a lot of credit to the mayor for making it a priority uh, to uh, turn the courthouse and some of the court square into technically a museum yeah. and uh, begin to preserve some more of our history than we've been able to uh, up to this time. Will any one be available for visitors who come into the courthouse to relate a lot of the history that that uh, they'll be wanting to know. Because well, you can. You, you, I mean, go all the way back to to the uh, 1860s, and I think that would be a. Is, is there a starting point? I guess that's what I'm getting at. Well, starting point probably goes back to 1803 when we talk about the county history. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's prehistory even before then. But uh, uh, well, you, we probably will look to you to help us with some recruiting there because we do need docents, volunteers who have mm -hmm. a strong interest in history and in explaining history. And hopefully, we'll have volunteers working at the courthouse museum every day. I know Commissioner. I've got a good person, to be honest with you. Yeah, Greg uh, Tucker. He stand out there and it, recite everything by memory that well, occurred there. I have entertained several groups there over time. Yes, you have. Uh, but uh, Commissioner Carol Cook is uh, going to play a key role. I guess she's—I'm not sure—the title director, perhaps, of the museum. And of course, there'll be a security detail there during. Uh, uh, hours that the museum is open for walk-in traffic mm -hmm. and uh, I'm hopeful that uh, it can be open during the weekends so uh, those who work during the week and uh, visit during the weekends and everybody I talk to including Tom Adams I encourage them to uh, think what uh, what's in their personal collection ought to be in the museum and uh, we'll be working out a way for items to be loaned or donated uh, so they can be part of the uh, history collection. You've had a number of people already that have donated articles, uh, uh, especially during World War II times. Uh, uh, it's, people are, I think, are, are not a bit reticent, you might say, about donating all, all those things that that have been in their family history for many many years well i'm anxious for those type things not to leave the county and we've had several that uh, really were an important part of our history that uh, because of uh, passing generations you know have gone out of the county and uh, so this is not just things that happened there at the courthouse all these years or but a lot of it is it, it, it takes care of the um, the history of the government of Murfreesboro and Rutherford County. Well our our history although it's not easy to access for some people uh, rests at the archives mm -hmm. where we have all of the judicial and the legislative records uh, 
the museum will be more of an area for display of the tangible items that uh, would represent our history. Uh, a visit to the archives, though, is, is can be very informative if you take the time to trace down what it is you're looking for. In fact, talking with Tom Adams yesterday, he spent a good bit of time with uh, the deed records yeah. over in the registrar's office, which I enjoy. I was in there last week, uh, where we can find and trace ownership of the uh, real estate in the county. But w when you go to other countries, a lot of times when you go to places that uh, concern the history of a country or a city or whatever, uh, you usually have people who have been trained to pass that information on about the history of the area. Now, of course, it's not always true, as you and I know. Uh, some countries want to uh, embellish or, or uh, maybe change the history a little bit. But uh, here, uh, it's going to be hard to find somebody has that background. Uh, where where are you going to be? Uh, you, I know you ha have a strong uh, history that you can pull right out of your head at any particular time. But where are you going to find those that are actually given that information to pass on to others? You, frequently they come forward. Uh -huh. And I'm hoping that's what the fact of a museum will do is people who either have information to share or an item, an article or something to share, now can be encouraged to mm -hmm. to share. And uh, some, like the late uh, Bubba Woodfin, uh, converted their backyard into a museum mm -hmm. and uh, were willing to share, invite groups and such. Uh, this will supplement the efforts of individuals. Well, the first display that I'm aware to go into the museum is from Dr. E.C. Talbert, his collection of uh, uh, historic artifacts and such of the medical profession. Yeah. And uh, that type of thing is uh, always helpful because we get not only the items, but the benefit of the research that the individual has done because of personal interest and such. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get some other collections of that sort. As you know, the the first collection to be situated in the courthouse was a uh, World War II, some World War One relics, mm -hmm. and uh, fortunately they had been researched and had the information with them. And that display cabinet, as far as I know, is still there at the courthouse and will be part of the museum. One of the things that would really interest me, and I guess especially a lot of us that uh, are have been here our whole lives pretty much, is uh, when the courthouse was taken over during uh, the war uh, and all of the people were probably going to be sentenced to die. And, and these were Murfreesboro people. And uh, there was a... Uh, um, raid on the courthouse and freed them during during that particular time. Is that going to be one of the main subjects that will be there at the courthouse? Well, that uh, is already memorialized by a plaque uh, on the right by the east door. Yeah, and uh, 
there are other plaques around the area uh, that refer to that. But are you going to have anyone there to recite what happened during that time? Uh, I Indi suspect. Individuals that were uh, yeah. captured, the prisoners? and. Well, you're getting a little ahead of us because we have not recruited docents yet, but I'm sure there will be a strong section of the museum on the Civil War experience. Mm -hmm. And hopefully we can recruit docents who are uh, educated, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, that on, building has lived through all of that. Yeah, on, on those facts. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned briefly last week the... Uh, we had, uh, I was referring to the list of petitions submitted to the legislature in uh, 1911 through, uh, excuse me, 1811 through 1813 uh, about the relocating the county seat, what they call the seat of justice in the mm -hmm. county. And uh, looking at the calendar the other day, I realized, well, we're at the point of a uh, eight, let's see, 180 years, I have to figure it out, uh, anniversary, October of 1811 is when uh, the legislature said it basically, okay, okay, you can move your, your courthouse location, you can move. And uh, some years ago when I first began researching in detail that period, I came up with what I call the Battles of Murfreesboro, a period from 1807 to 1819. And it's easy to confuse the, the various dates there and what actually was going on. But if you go back to 1803, when the county was first set up, there was a question about, okay, where do we put the county seat? And there was an obvious location at the time. Uh, what became the town of Jefferson, named for the current president at the time, Thomas Jefferson. And it was the obvious and ideal location because there was only one real thoroughfare through the county from Nashville to McMinnville, which predates us a little bit. And that went right through the little, what became the town of Jefferson on down to Readable and then over to McMinnville. And that's where the two branches, main branches of the Stones River came together where the East and West Fork merged and was a perfect port city at the time for the flatboats and all that were moving the products of the agricultural area down into Nashville mm -hmm. uh, for sale. So uh, it was selected as the obvious place for the county seat. And immediately the landowners in that area, and there were just a handful of major landowners, names like Weekly, Rucker, uh, in that area, uh, they laid out the town, subdivided it, and started selling lots, and uh, very profitable for those who were the landowners in that area. And uh, in those early years, I'm speculating that probably some landowners upstream saw what was going on, mm -hmm. uh, but it was not within their reach at the time. Uh, and part of the problem was the real boundaries of Rutherford County in 1803-1804 were not defined. Uh, we were defined to the north, east, and west, but the southern boundary in the uh, legislative action setting up the county said 
to the south to the Indian lands. Well, it wasn't clear to either the Indians or the uh, or the white settlers where the Indian lands boundary was. Yeah. So we really didn't know our southern boundary except that it extended way beyond what uh, is today the boundary. In 1807, that was resolved at least as far as Rutherford County was concerned because Bedford County was established, 1807-1808, and that set our southern boundary. So then, in the, what I call the first battle of Murfreesboro, you had the Jefferson interest enjoying their prosperity and the upstream major landowners mm -hmm. who now were able to say, here's the boundary, and they took the position that there needed to be a new county seat near the center of what was now well defined as the as the well it's actually the watershed of the Stones River mm -hmm. as Rutherford County and so you had uh, names like uh, we mentioned Weekly and Rucker, Shelby, Nash, Tucker uh, were already invested in the Jefferson area but down uh, excuse me upstream you had some very strong names as well big landowners Reedy Murphy, Armstrong, Barfield, Lytle, uh, that had big holdings upstream. And uh, from the time that that southern boundary was defined until October of 1811, you had kind of a low-profile lobbying fight uh, going very strong as these, air, these two groups, Jefferson trying to maintain as what they said was the status quo and these upstream landowners saying no this isn't right it should be near the center of the county uh, the upstream landowners prevailed in that first battle and I think very likely the Murphy effect uh, the Murphy family was probably a key there uh, because the colonel died in 1809 and then you had all of his children who had big holdings in Williamson County and in Rutherford County. And the representative to the legislature for these two counties uh, was Newton Cannon, young in his first term. Mm -hmm. And he knew that uh, his constituency was more or less controlled, at least in Williamson County, by the Murphy interest. And uh, so in October, 1811, he submitted legislation that said, okay, you can move the county seat. It needs to be centrally located near some decent water. And uh, the decision will be made by seven appointees. And the legislature appointed seven major landowners, wealthy landowners in the Rutherford County area and charged those seven with selecting a site for a new county seat. Uh, uh, Cannon made one embarrassing mistake. He said in that first uh, bit of legislation that once this county seat is located, wherever it's going to be, the name will be Cannonsburg. In other words, he tried to put his name on the new county seat Not before. A very humble person. Yeah, before it was even decided where it would be, before they had even gone to work studying where it would be. That lasted about two weeks. 
And uh, again, I suspect Murphy Ayers leaned on their representative over there because he withdrew the bill and put in another bill exactly the same, named the same seven uh, town commissioners to select the site, uh, but said that when it's selected, it'll be named Murfreesboro. So that's how we got the name. The agreement to look for a new site was October 1811. The name uh, Murfreesboro was committed in advance of the actual town being set in November 1811. Let's take a break. Let me catch right, my breath. That's a good idea. The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS FM 100.5, FM 101.9, AM 1450. Online and on your phone at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, my name is Patrick Garland, and I love living here at Adams Place because ever since I came here, I feel I'm part of a new family. The people here are fantastic, the employees as well as the residents. I'm meeting so many wonderful people, and I just enjoy every single day. I do a lot of reading, I do a lot of writing, research. I have invited my friends to come to Adam's Place to visit and see what it offers. Hello, I am Frank Caperton. Most people know me as Frank the Computer Guy, but did you know that I also have a camera? I love to shoot events such as weddings and birthday parties, corporate events, family gatherings, ribbon cuttings. I call it event photography. Call or text me at 615-476-7823 or visit frankcaperton.com. I also preserve memories. I digitize and enhance your old family videos. 615-476-7823 or frankcaperton.com. When you have fire, water, or storm damage, Fair Construction can help. Fair Construction is also there to help when a car slams through the wall. Call Fair Construction and we'll board up, put down tarps, secure your home or business until the insurance coverage is approved. Call Fair Construction at 615-893-6120. I'm Ron Hall. Shop local. Let our family business help you. Fair Construction Company. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. I'm really excited about Blue Raider football being back in Murfreesboro this weekend. Me too. I love the football game, the tailgating, the band of blue, the fans, the fireworks, and lightning. What do you like the most? The home weekend game day sale at Raider Tees. You get 30% off all regular price merchandise. And Raider Tees has some of the most unique gear in the borough. Nike polos and tees, metal wall art, band of blue gear, aerospace items, sock monkeys, all at 30% off. Raider Tees is located just off Broad Street behind Chewy. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The Bedford County Sheriff's Office is investigating a threat made against two Bedford County schools. BCSO says the threat against students and teachers at Shelbyville Central High School and Harris Middle School was made on Snapchat. 
Bedford County Schools were on fall break last week with students expected to return this week. And the sheriff's office says there will be increased law enforcement at the two schools when they do. A statue honoring black soldiers and their contributions to the Civil War is on display in Franklin. The U.S. Colored Troops statue unveiled in front of Franklin's historic courthouse on Saturday. The statue is meant to represent the 186,000 United States Colored Troops who fought for their freedom and that of the country. The Rutherford County Archaeological Society and the Historic Old City Cemetery Preservation Project held an open house Sunday afternoon at the Old City Cemetery on East Vine. Project Director for the Old Cemetery, Laura Bartell, noted the history of the cemetery gives you a feel for how the community developed and who were the movers and shakers in the area. Both Revolutionary War and Civil War soldiers are buried there. The Tennessee Department of Health is now offering booster doses of COVID-19 vaccines to certain populations. If you got the Pfizer or Moderna COVID-19 vaccine, the booster is suggested six months or more after the initial series. Individuals who are 18 or older and got the single-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine are recommended to get a booster shot at two months or more after the initial vaccine. More information on the CDC's recommendation for a booster dose and who is eligible is available online. Just follow the link at WGNSRadio.com. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Here's Amy Byers. If you've not been to MTEMC.com lately, you might want to check it out. It's got a whole new look, and it is very easy to navigate. Check out Middle Tennessee Electric's new website, MTEMC.com. It's a great opportunity to learn more about Middle Tennessee Electric, being able to pay your bill, and check that out for more information. MTEMC.com. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Mainly cloudy this afternoon. High in the mid-70s. Breezy winds. Tonight, mostly cloudy early, then clearing low of 46. High 64 on Tuesday. I'm meteorologist Laura Lockwood on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 60. Join us November 27th at the Lay Agro Park, the Small Business Saturday Holiday Market. We'll have jewelry, clothing, home decor, fashion accessories, food trucks, and much more. Find us on Facebook at Small Business Saturday Holiday Market. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Tell us what we ought to do. Well, hell, you're, you're... And welcome back. Greg Tucker and I are back, and, well, really him. I'm just floating along. Well, I was enjoying talking about the battles of Murfreesboro, the first one being between Jefferson Interest and those big upstream landowners. Uh, the upstream landowners prevailed in that first battle. But then, and it's not even ironic, it should be expected, the next battle is among the upstream landowners. There were those that were uh, committed to the East Fork and those who were 
more over towards the West Fork. So we get a second round of conflict where we've got the Murphy heirs, Lytle and uh, some of the others, Armstrong, Barfield, on the west side. And we've got one of the Rucker boys, Colonel Reedy, who had an awful lot of influence, one of the yeah. charter people in the county at the time, pulling the other direction. And uh, Reedy and uh, the Rucker, and, uh, now there was one brother, Rucker, who was right in the middle of Jefferson, uh, but another Rucker brother, actually three of them down upstream on the East Fork. They were concerned that if uh, Jefferson was no longer the county seat, traffic would be diverted to the west. So they were fighting to get it, the seat moved towards the east uh, and offered up the uh, site which later became the uh, uh, Veterans Hospital area much yeah. later. But anyway, uh, so we have a second uh, conflict which continued from the time the commissioners were appointed uh, for about a year and a half, which was the time when, well, not that long, when they were actually deciding where to put the new county seat. Originally, they had uh, four options. Uh, one quickly disappeared was out near the Black Fox Camp Spring. And what apparently happened there is the owners of the property out there said, no, we're not interested in having a new town you know, out here on our area. Uh, the second one was uh, over towards what became Readable. Uh, Colonel Reedy was offering, but that was too far to the east and couldn't really argue that it was centrally located. Uh, so the two remaining uh, options were the uh, position now that we would call Walter Hill in that area or the location uh, near the Murphy Spring. And there you had uh, two very strong Reedy and Rucker favoring the eastern part and Lytle and the Murphys favoring the western side. And once again, the uh, Murphy interests prevailed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was positioned near the Murphy Spring and right in the midst of all the property that the Murphy descendants owned and near the Lytle property was the chosen spot. That didn't end the conflict, though. Uh, when they took a vote, uh, Reedy and Rucker and one other voted for the eastern spot and the other four voted for the western spot. Reedy and company were not good losers. In fact, they said, uh, if you're not going to go with our choice, we're out of here. And they literally quit. Interesting because they had put up $2,000 each as bond for performance. Uh, I suspect that they were able politically to recover their bond. Uh, but uh, they left four and the commissioners had to function by majority. So four voted for one location and that location became the site, the chosen site. But then three left, which meant from then on, they had to agree unanimously because technically there were still seven commissioner positions. So they had to, the four of them, agree on everything uh, before they could go forward. Uh, but the third battle, 
when it became apparent that a site had been located and Jefferson was likely to lose its prominence, uh, the Jefferson investors, which was a much larger group than originally, those who had bought uh, spots, sites, in what was the laid out town of Jefferson, saw that they were going to have their investment depreciated. At least they were convinced that was going to happen. So they go back to the legislature, and I call that the third battle of Murfreesboro, where all the Murfreesboro promoters uh, were struggling to hold off the Jefferson defenders. Mm -hmm. And the Jefferson defenders, as we noticed in those petitions, came up with some good, strong legal argument that it was against the Constitution to conduct a relocation of the county seat, which had already been set by the legislature uh, without going through certain procedures. And, uh, but it came down to a political question, and the legislature just eventually, after about a year of that, said, no, we're not going to change anything. It's done. It's done. And uh, so in the third battle of Murfreesboro, once again, the Jefferson interest uh, lost in the in the legislature. Uh, Were the boundaries already set up for each county during that time? The counties involved, not entirely. Remember, Cannon County didn't exist yet. Yeah. Uh, Newton would get another chance to put his name on something about 25 years later, 20 years later. About 20, yeah. Uh, so was Reedy... Did he have the ability uh, and the political strength to stretch that particular part of the county out to put him more in the center of the county? Because yeah. uh, obviously Jefferson was right on the, the, the boundary lines, and so was uh, Readable at the time. Well, Readable was much more central than it is now, because right now Readable's out of the county, yeah. except for some western portion of it. Uh, at that time, the county line was over near what now is Woodbury. Mm -hmm. So he was well into the county, uh, but he apparently didn't have as much political strength as he thought he did, yeah. because he lost the vote by one vote, and he announced when the decision was made against him that he would never set foot in Murfreesboro. Uh, if you're going to put it where the, you know, where the Murfreys and the Lytle want it, mm -hmm. he, uh, and uh, I have found no evidence that he ever did not keep his promise to stay out of Murfreesboro. But ironically, his son uh, was smart enough to come in and, and develop business interests and eventually was mayor mm -hmm. of uh, the new town, Murfreesboro. But even though the site had been uh, uh, selected and committed and named, the uh, still was a battle between county commissioners because there were those who represented the Jefferson interest and they refused to meet in the new town. And then there were commissioners from the more southern parts of the county who refused to meet in Jefferson. So we have a period there when the commissioners who are getting together, mostly those with Jefferson interest, direct the sheriff to go out and arrest the commissioners who were refusing to come in to meet and bring them in to force a quorum. 
and uh, they did a couple of times succeed because they voted to spend uh, county funds to build a new jail mm -hmm. in Jefferson, while at the same time plans are being made to build a jail in the new town of Murfreesboro. And uh, finally... Boy, I'd have been the sheriff back then. <laughs> yeah, he was in a rough position. Yeah. He really was. Uh, of course, he was... a, a Pointed by the commission. There was mm -hmm. not yet the uh, popular election of sheriff at that time. Yeah. And uh, that episode, that battle among the commissioners, was eventually uh, terminated by legal threats. The legislature, the representatives of the legislature, made clear that uh, they had voted and acted in the new legal location of the county seat and uh, more or less threatened the county with uh, sanctions from the legislature if it didn't literally get its act together in the new town. So it wasn't until January 13th, I mean January 1813, that finally the commission convened in the new town. So that really is the point where you have a new county seat because they finally met in the new town. Uh, is that the last battle of Murfreesboro? No. The way the legislature had set it up, this appointed commissioners, down to four, had full control. All finances, deeds, titles to land, whatever. Uh, and for uh, three years, from about 1813, 1815, 16, these four were absolute authorities. Mm -hmm. in Murfreesboro, but you had a building population and the citizens of the new town uh, got pretty aggravated with the commissioners because the commissioners controlled all the county money and uh, were not elected by those that were governing or appointed by the, by the legislature. So first uh, they petitioned the legislature and the legislature limited the commissioner's control to just the sale of the remaining lots, mm -hmm. land, and uh, the use of those monies. And then in 1817, they abolished the commission completely and finally had popular elections. Was that the last battle? No, one more battle yet. Uh, and again, allies turn into uh, antagonists. William Lytle began developing what land he had left to the north as the Lytle subdivision. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, Mary Moore Murphy and her husband Isaac Hilliard began developing what land they held to the immediate south and proved and convinced others that, uh, including the courts, that a third of what supposedly Lytle had sold to the commissioners from Murfreesboro actually belonged to the Murphy family, the Hilliard family. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're developing theirs and taking away from uh, the town a third of its uh, land area to the south. So we have the competition between the Lytle subdivision and the Murphy subdivision, which had some interesting elements. Uh, Hilliard on the Murphy side decided the smart thing to do because the legislature was meeting in Murfreesboro during some of that time. He set aside a full city block and said, this is where you can build a capital, I'll donate this property. 
and then was selling off around the property. And he named the streets Severe, State Street, and of course Hilliard Street mm -hmm. still can be found on a on a map. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> to counter that, Lytle said, "Now wait a minute," and he set aside a block on the north side, which is now where. Uh, uh, the health department building is kind of a rise there and Hilliard had his rise down where Bradley the Bradley school building still stands in that area uh, and uh, they both offered to the legislature you know build your build right here and the legislature ignored both of them mm. and uh, went went its separate way and at that point the uh, I'd say the the intense competition between interests, all looking at their self-interest, which is the way things advance, mm -hmm. and the, the dollar signs around it, uh, pretty much settled down to, uh, uh, okay, this is what we've got, and uh, less of a fight as to which way it would go. Yeah, government was, or creating governments, was fragile back in those days. Mm -hmm. it, it, it makes you wonder how they worked it all out with so many uh, different uh, uh, viewpoints as and power. I mean, a power was was a very major part of it. Well, it stayed uh, in a Cold War condition. We commented on that last week. That uh, you know, as intense uh, the competition was, and as how would you say? Early in our uh, history, moving from an unsettled, unsettled wild area, mm -hmm. uh, nobody ever pulled a gun. Even though I'm sure there were some very heated exchanges, uh, particularly during the efforts to lobby the legislature, and and uh, I, to me, uh, in a figurative sense, it just proves that the Murphys had the big gun. They not only controlled about 75 to 80 percent of the area that was to become the town of Murfreesboro mm -hmm. and the surrounding area, uh, but they had uh, so much invested in Williamson County that uh, you know when they spoke to their uh, representative in the legislature, who represented both Williamson and Rutherford, uh, based in Williamson. He had no political choice but to accommodate their interests, and that's Newton Cannon. There had to have been some strong lobbyists representing each group, though, I would think. Uh, and I, I can't... Uh, is, is, has anyone ever traced the power structure itself as how they were able to uh, get the positive attention that they needed to do the things that were happening mm -hmm. here. Well, it's interesting too that parallel with this period, uh, 1811, 12, 13, was the later years of the uh, probate of Colonel Hardy Murphy's will. Mm -hmm. Remember, he died in 1809, just before all this really kicked off heavy. And uh, his holdings were so vast that it went to the legislature to approve uh, his probate. So you have the descendants, his children, uh, all over the legislature trying to protect their interests, their respective interests, and uh, get that straightened out. 
And it wasn't until, I believe it was 1813, 14, that uh, the probate was finally completed. And then, of course, the Murphy heirs were able to begin developing their interest in the, in the two counties. Were the rivers at that time, were they utilized for transportation of goods and those type things? Well, that was the highways of the early frontier. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you, easy to look at a map of what shape Rutherford County had back in this early 1800s. It was the watershed of the Stones River. Yeah. And uh, uh, almost all the way over to Short Mountain, where the East Fork rises, and down to uh, what's now Beach Grove, where the Middle Fork rises, and the West Fork way over towards Midland, that area, uh, Panther Creek, one of the early tributaries, yeah. where it it came up, and uh, that was the original shape. Now it changed some when Cannon County took part of it, the uh, upper watershed of the East Fork, and then uh, we added the watershed of uh, the Harpeth River, some portion of it, down in the area that's Eagleville and Concord and Versailles. Uh, which is not part of the Stones River watershed, uh, but that came many, many years later. How much um, influence did Reedy have as far as uh, the creation of Cannon County and, and Cannon Ear also? Well, Reedy was in his declining years by the 1830s, uh, but he had developed a very strong commercial uh, was never a town, but uh, in the sense of incorporated, but a, an area there that we call readable. Uh, and had a strong business activity there. Mm -hmm. uh, but having uh, announced that he would never have anything to do with Murfreesboro, he cut himself out of the power structure that he developed in the new town, Murfreesboro. Uh, and I've always said, I think when the new Cannon County was established, taking parts of Wilson, uh, Warren, and Rutherford. It almost looks like uh, they decided, let's, for once and for all, let's get Colonel Reedy out of this consideration because the county line is just west of his home and uh, split his holdings because some of his property obviously was going to be on either side. Are we talking right there at the river? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but the county line still, I think, is the road that goes past the post office down that way past his house. His house is Cannon County. His cropland that was on the other side was Rutherford County. So mm -hmm. if he had still the power that he had in the early days of the county, I just expect that he would have put that line around his property as they did up on the Rucker property. Mm -hmm. you know, they very carefully lined right down the boundary of the Rucker property so as not to split it between two counties. Uh, well, you see, Tom King Wood, which I used to spend the night at their house many years ago, uh, his wife was a Reedy, Rachel Reedy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, a lot of that is part of the land that they had during, during those periods. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's amazing that if you do your history, 
things really don't change a whole lot because uh, I can a lot of the uh, people whose names that you've been bringing up at least the the history of of those uh, last names uh, is still pretty prevalent right here in Rutherford County. Just numerically, it's changing, but. Uh Oh, you and I are old enough to remember when a handful of names and you had, you had touched a big percentage of the of the county. Yeah. Uh, the early names and the families that uh, descended from those. Uh, of course, some names like Jones. There's so many Jones that uh, you don't know who's related. Not many as they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and I have never attempted to detail the Tucker relationships, but uh, we know that Tucker name was prominent in the early Jefferson area, mm -hmm. and that's still uh, in our lifetime in the Smyrna area. Uh, but uh, my great, great level was down in Fosterville, and uh, somehow or another they migrated from up in the Smyrna area, probably some son or uh, brother headed off down upst upstream a little bit uh, from Smyrna. Almost the, all the little neighborhoods were family neighborhoods back in those old days. And I've, I've looked at it. I, I, I think uh, Sonny Elam uh, uh, let me go in and take a look at some of the maps that they had back in those days. And it was very interesting to see how uh, there were so many people from one family or and they'd be stretched out that they, that's how people would recognize where they would be going back in, in well, those early days. I just think how many of the roads and streets in the county and the little communities are named for the families. Yeah. I mean, my new friend Tom Adams lives on Adams Road. It's obvious that uh, you know, that's the name for the family. Uh, He's a very interesting man, isn't he? Yeah, we may bring him on. Yeah, that would be fun. I'd love Tom to come on. He's uh, he's close to my age. We're very not, close. We're we're not too far apart. Yeah, I think a couple of months and. Yep. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss? Well, if there is, let's save it for next week. That'd be good. All right. I enjoyed it again, as, as it's always fun. All right, guys. We will see you in the morning at 9. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.